them, strip the bolts on them. Should have never sent them to pick up the work for them. Sprayed the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all goners. That curse on the chest. All right. Greetings, chuddlings. Welcome to another episode of Chuddy's Corner. It is Saturday, January 27th. It's about 9.30 p.m. here on the East Coast. And the Celtics get themselves smacked around tonight by the Clippers. Uh, 115-96 the final, so cut the lead to 20. Not too bad. Um, Just a pretty much domination throughout. I mean, the Celtics couldn't make a shot to start the game. Then by the end of it, they couldn't make a shot or play defense. Um, It was pretty gross. We're going to get into the full breakdown of the game. Uh, before we do that, uh, I'm your host, Dugouts, and with me as always is Chuddy, King Chuddy. How are you feeling tonight? Feeling all right. Um, <laughs> not the most inspiring game, but what can you do? As we said before, sometimes uh, the blowout losses are the easiest to move on from. So around the, yep. around the mid-third quarter, I kind of already accepted it. <laughs> yep, we'll start the clock tonight on how many times I say to uh, bury or burn the film, whichever, <laughs> whichever word or B-word comes to my mind first. Um, before we get into the game, too, make sure that you're following us on uh, Twitter at Chuddy's Corners, our Twitter account. Uh, mine is at Doug underscore outs. His is at King Chuddy. And make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page. Um, and also make sure you check out Chuddy'sCorner.com. We launched the website uh, earlier this week. Um, we already got our Grant Williams, a very, very in depth uh, writing write up by Chud. On all the different people that can fit in the Grant Williams TPE, it's it's like extremely in depth. Like some of those names, I was just I had to like Google some names there to see who the <laughs> hell we're even talking about. But you did give a pretty good breakdown of all those too. So chuddyscorner.com, it's going to have all your episodes. There's going to be blogs up there, and a feature that I'm very excited about is the voicemail feature. Uh, there's a little voicemail icon on the bottom of the screen. You'll see it. You can go ahead and leave us a message for the show. Um, we'll take some of the best uh, voicemails that get left. We'll answer your questions on the show. So if you ever said, "How can I get on Chuddy's Corner?" Uh, that's one way to do it. Uh, go ahead and leave us a voicemail at chuddyscorner.com. And lastly, special shout out to our sponsor, uh, Nick Perino Real Estate. You can check him out at nickperino.com. All your real estate needs, best in the business. Um, but we'll pivot now to the game. It was ugly. Uh, like I said, 115 to 96. Celtics could not buy a basket. They finished 36 for 100 on the night. So 36% shooting. Overall from the field. Nice man. Uh, go ahead, Chuddy. Uh, give us a breakdown. What you what happened in this game? Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> well, it all went wrong uh, pretty pretty early, right out the jump. I mean, it was a competitive game for a while. This, uh, kind of a dogfight early on. Clippers coming off a back to back. No Porzingis for the Celtics. So uh, each kind of with a little bit working against us. And early on, it was just a kind of slow down, grind it out kind of battle uh, for what felt like. It's kind of a familiar theme lately. Came out and just could not hit the broadside of a bar. And Celtics could not make a three-pointer. Started off 0 for their first 10. Um, Tatum was working hard getting to the basket. It felt like the only way we could score in the early part of that game was Tatum just kind of putting his head down, driving and finishing through contact around the basket. So it's kind of keeping us in it that way. And uh, our defense was keeping us in it. I thought the defense was locked in. Doing a really good job forcing the Clippers to work hard. Uh, like I said, Tatum had it going for us. For them, it was Kawhi Leonard early on. He had 12 points in the first quarter, 5 of 7. And he was just rising up, hitting difficult shots. You saw him do it really at all three levels at different points during that quarter. Um, and he was a menace on the defensive end as well. You saw it. Other than I mentioned, Tatum was getting good looks. Other than that, they were just completely turning the water off. The Celtics could not get into their drive and kick offense at all. Um, just getting stymied. Everything they tried to do, there was a guy there. The Clippers... 
rotations were super tight. They were moving around on a string, um, just forcing tough shots and after tough shots for the Celtics. And when we were managing good kickouts, again, it just seemed like we could not buy a three-pointer. Um, I think finally hit one at the end, but we saw last game we started at 0 for 9, I think, and then hit one and completely turned it around this time. It was not the case. The threes weren't falling at first and really just never got it going um, in the second no. quarter. More of the same. The offense just really could never get into a rhythm. Again, the um, the defense really was kind of keeping us into the game. It felt like we could have been, probably should have been losing by a lot more, but the defense did a good job really keeping it about as close as they could. The Clippers kept pushing it to 15, 18. The Celtics would kind of battle back. Again, it felt like it was really mostly Tatum, who oddly had actually like one of his better games. It seemed like he could have missed. He was hitting a couple threes. He was getting it going to the rim. He was getting to the free throw line, but uh, other than him, really no one else had it going at all. And, it's crazy to see this team that scored 77 points in the first half against the Heat the other night come out and score 30. We left the offense in, the in uh, Miami, I yeah. think. Um, it was like the complete opposite, only 39 points in the first half tonight. Um, other than Tatum in that first half, I mean, it was just Al over 4, over 3 from deep. Derek over 6, over 3 from deep. Drew, I think, was 2 for 10, 1 of 7 from deep. Jalen was 3 of 11, over uh, 2 from deep. So, again, the other five starters just played all about as poorly as they can on offense at least in terms of shooting um yeah again just couldn't buy offense 39 points against one of the best teams in the league held the clippers to 55 and again only down 16 felt almost like a miracle at that point the way we were playing <laughs> um defense was playing great like i mentioned second half came out just kind of knew we were gonna have to focus um try to make some adjustments on offense and for the love of god try to hit some shots and Again, kind of came out, made an early push, got a couple stops. We're working the ball hard inside again. Tatum going hard, getting a layup, uh, got it down low a couple times. But again, just couldn't couldn't get consistent scoring, which really has not been an issue very often. You'd say about the Celtics team, it was the offense that completely let them down, uh, could not get a score, and eventually kind of just dropped the rope. I think frustration boiled over, kind of realization sinking in, and then. You know, you miss so many shots in a row, it's going to lead the Clippers to get out and transition. They start to get some easy baskets. They start to get some confidence. Then you saw them kind of crash in the glass. They're getting second chance points. And at that point, halfway through the third quarter, I mean, it was just a brutalization. They went up, I think, like 32 after Harden's second alley-oop he had tossed in a row. And at that point, it was pretty much over. Um, took the Celtics, I think, until under six minutes left to get past 77 again, which they had at halftime last game against the Heat. So... Really about as bad as you'll see the Celtics play uh, offensively and really as poorly as you'll probably see them shoot, let's hope, all year. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the Clippers just playing great defense, but really couldn't find it at all tonight. I mean, you mentioned that it was the defense. I thought actually the defense was really good by the time that it stopped being good. It was basically the game was just over. And like I said, it's kind of hard to stay locked in and play that good a defense when you absolutely can't score and you're down 20 and <laughs> yeah, you're playing transition defense every single like i don't i don't blame the defense one percent i actually thought the defense was really pretty good about as good as you can ask for in a game like this tonight um but again they were just outmatched they didn't have it clippers are a really good team they did have it even off the back to back they looked fresher they looked uh more physical more energetic and uh the celtics just could not overcome it they couldn't make runs of their own they couldn't stop runs of the clippers i think it ended up playing a 20-0 run and Midway through that third quarter, before it was all said and done, uh, first three quarters, the Celtics scored 21, 18, and 21 points. So, again, we've seen some bad quarters, but see three quarters in a row where they just could get absolutely nothing going on offense. Um, yeah, just a pretty bad night, like you said, to burn the tape. And we've seen us get blown out a couple times, but in a way, this was, like, different. I mean, that Bucks game, it was, it was right off the tip. You know, it was almost like a scheduled loss. You could tell right away we had no legs. We just didn't have it. 
Um, you know, Joe pulled the starters at halftime. We played five and seven days. It was like, all right, all right whatever. Um, but this was this was not that. This was like I think we came out to play. We were matching their effort and energy. Playing, we were playing good defense. They were playing good defense, and they just completely outworked us and out outmanned us and kind of dominated us. Yeah, um, I, I think like like you said, the first the first half, the defense kept, definitely was kind of keeping us in that game. It was I, I it was just surprising that we were even as close as we, as we were. You had <laughs> yeah. a little bit of hope coming in that third quarter that they were going to turn the turn it around, um, and. The third quarter, the first like two minutes seemed great, and then yeah, like you said, it's hard to just play defense when the shots aren't falling. Eventually, by the end of that third quarter, it was just a, gr- a gross defensive matchup. We cut the. It is funny that they the final score was only down by twenty, uh, but nineteen. <laughs> Not I should reflective say. of how much. Not reflective at all. Was, um, sadly. Yeah, but yeah, this this was this was just a tough one. It was one you just you, you just kind of feel it the whole night. It just wasn't there when the shots don't fall. But that kind of brings me to my next point. So. When you're when we're looking at this game here, are you thinking that this was a little bit more of a uh, Celtic shots aren't falling, or was it something that the Clippers <laughs> were doing defensively? I mean, the Clippers have looked great recently. They've really, for all the flack they got only when they traded for Harden and they looked bad at first, and people were saying this. Then they brought in Tice, and everything <laughs> turned around for them. So, what, so they've been playing really well too. But was, Tice first, but was way. this was this uh, an issue of uh, the Celtics just shots don't fall? Things are averaging out from Miami, the game against Miami where they shot lights out, or is it something that the Clippers are doing? Or is it a mix of both? I mean, obviously when it's this dramatic of a difference, it's it's a mix of both. Um, because I think both of those things are obviously pretty pretty apparent tonight. But for me, more, I mean, I at least like off shooting nights will happen, whatever. But to me, I was more impressed with the Clippers. Like I know they've been playing well. I've talked about how well they've been playing a lot, but I thought this was a statement game by them. You could tell they were locked in uh, from the start, the way they played, and I think that's probably the most impressive opponent I've seen all year. I mean, the way they played defense, the way they completely took us out of rhythm, cut off our driving lanes, and it seemed like when we did get in the paint, again, we were just met by bodies, and then kickouts that are usually there weren't there. Like, how many times did you see the Celtics get those possessions where it's, like, beautiful ball motion, uh, ball movement, kicking it, and, like, swinging it around for open shots? Like, those just weren't there, and there were Clippers just in the passing lanes all night. They forced bad passes they forced turnovers they forced just complete chaos and it was like we didn't know what to do there's a play where drew drove and i passed it almost to like to scow there was just nobody even in the vicinity of that um so i mean some ugly plays but again i think it was a lot forced by the clippers you got to credit their their defense obviously Kawhi and paul george super big super long and they can you know the way they can move around and get in those lanes is crazy and when tatum started to cook terrence man they they said oh, all right enough of that they put Kawhi on tatum and um he kind of put it into that. They had guys helping and they've got the ability to rotate over and allow that, like that help to not basically cause an advantage. So a lot of the ways that the Celtics create advantages just were completely cut off by the Clippers. And I think you saw that's what led to so many tough shots. And I mean, this is, you know, one of those where it's easy to say three pointers aren't falling, go inside. Well, their percentage inside the paint was almost just as bad. Like the Clippers were just contesting it everywhere. So again, We've seen the Celtics make a lot of these shots before the, and make tough shots and this and that. And, like, obviously it's an outlier of a bad shooting night. But I was more impressed by the Clippers' defense. I thought the way they played just kind of broke the Celtics' will at a certain point. We just couldn't do anything. And, like, even when we were scoring and making tiny runs, which in this game were, like, a 6-0 seven, run or something. Yeah, seven, yeah, oh, yeah, it was from, like, Tatum basically working his ass off to, like, kind of have to blow past people and make like super tough finishes in traffic there was no uh we weren't running anything that was getting us like easy looks and then again 
it was compounded by the fact that any half decent look we were getting, just the shots were not falling. Uh, everybody absolutely ice cold, with the exception of Jason Tatum. The other five starters all having probably <laughs> one of their worst shooting nights in the same night. So again, uh, yeah. part of that is just bad luck, bad shooting. It happens to everyone. Uh, but I also thought a big part of it was the Clippers. And like I said, probably the most impressive d- defensive performance that I've seen all season. Yeah, uh, the Clippers definitely, I mean, they're, they're starting to look like a, a really dangerous team. I actually went ahead. So the start of the season, I put in a, a, for at least my numbers, a pretty substantial bet on the Celtics, obviously, to win the title. So I'm linked to that. But halfway through this game, I did go and put a tiny little bit on the Clippers, too, as a kind of a fallback fan, because th- they look really good. And I feel like there's still a little bit of value right there, because I think people still, they still hit the Clippers, and they kind of think, you know, is everyone going to be healthy? They still I think that James Harden is at any moment going to completely <laughs> tank the team. But what we yeah. saw tonight was it was just super impressive. And again, early on it was the shots not falling, but I think, like you said, I think eventually uh, they just sort of broke broke our will. Like it was just it was so hard to get a bucket that even mm-hmm. when they did fall, it just it just felt like we just had to do so much to do that to get yeah. to any any scoring at all. Um, yeah, Derek yeah. White just a brutal night for him. Two points. Uh, Al had zero points. He bet he like jammed his finger, dislocated his finger, or something mm. early. I don't know if that if that's part of it or not, but. Yeah, he certainly didn't, didn't have a great night. I thought Drew Holiday, <laughs> like Oof, brutal. If, if if anyone, I don't think anyone did shoot us necessarily out of the game. I think, like you said, the other reasons are why we lost. <laughs> but he was he was taking he was yeah. launching. We, we've been talking about his offense has been looking a lot better recently, or at least I shouldn't say better. I just should be like more. He's been scoring. more involved, I think, in the offense. Like he's scoring more. Um, so you know, there's probably a little bit of that that confidence going into this. But sheesh, he was just putting up a ton <laughs> of shots. I, I got I'll, I'll yeah. get the exact number, but. It did feel like he was he was putting up he was uh, chucking a bit a lot more yeah than we're than we're typically used to seeing so he was one from seven for three two for eleven for the all, field and so. that was all in the first half I think basically which yeah. most of the starter stats were in the first half but um yeah yeah and I mean again I think a part of that is how good of a job the Clippers did defensively like that's you know if you're if you're another team and you look at our team obviously we have good players and it's like who do they want taking tough shots is Drew Holiday. Probably, you know, him and Horford are the guys they want to force to take right. shots. And yeah. I think that's part of what was happening you, out there. That's another thing, too, is you really can't, you know, count out the fact that Porzingis isn't there. When the offense looks like this, it's yeah. almost like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, that's kind of shows <laughs> well, right. you what, what Porzingis opens up for. Us and, teams yeah. wouldn't be able to do necessarily what they did. So they didn't have quiet. We played him before. We didn't have KP tonight. So as far as yeah. I'm concerned, the Clippers and the Celtics didn't even play at all this year. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. what I'm going to tell myself. It's kind of true. And again, I mean, that's we've talked before where it's like, Nights like these are going to happen where it's just not going and you can't buy a shot. And Porzingis was kind of the like, okay, this is now our pivot on those nights. We at least have this other option to like play a different way. Yeah. So when you don't have him and it's one of those nights, like we've seen us play great and win games. Like when Porzingis isn't out there, like the other night against the Mavericks, Celtics look like world beaters. Both the Jays were unreal, had it all going. And it was like, wow, we can look like the best team in the league without Porzingis. Then there's going to be nights like this where nothing's going, and it's like, I wish we had Porzingis for that fallback plan, and <laughs> yeah. he's not there, and the fallback plan is just like, the Jays wanted, trying to do it even more and try to shoot more threes, and they're just... I wanted nothing, nothing more than to just lob the ball down into the paint <laughs> and just watch him shoot over Harden or something like that. But Yeah. yeah no, it's it, true. It's, and uh, you mentioned yeah. the, when you were talking about the Clippers and just kind of like their title odds, I think, I think what you said is so true, like, but at this point, it really, health is the only thing you could say. Like, what else what else is there to nitpick with this Clippers team when you watch them play tonight? It's really just a matter of like, will those guys be healthy? And obviously we, we all know that at any moment, like you get that Woj bomb a day before the playoffs. That's like, Oh, Kawhi Leonard will miss the next blah, blah, blah amount of games or like this and that. 
I don't think anyone's going to be shocked. Um, unfortunately, like it, it certainly could still happen. And obviously if that happens and there is an injury, then we're right back to square one with the Clippers. But right now this is probably the longest stretch we've seen of this iteration of this Clippers team play together and play healthy. And at this point, like, again, they all look very healthy. They're all playing very well. They're all playing very well together and fitting in. And yeah, like I said, barring an injury, it's hard to look at them and say they're not one of the favorites out West. Like I, I think going into a series with Minnesota, they could easily be favored. I think going into a series with Oakland C, they could easily be favored. I think honestly, the Clippers might be the favorites in the West against anyone except for Denver. And I think they can match up pretty well with that Denver team. Um, so again, I think it all comes down to injuries. You mentioned the Harden thing too, but I think the difference with this Harden team and every other Harden team is now he's not one of the top two guys. Like you saw tonight, as well as they played, Harden had like nine points, eight rebounds, seven assists on like two of 11 shooting. So it's like he essentially had a clunker. If he has a clunker like that last year on Philly, like they're screwed because he's their yeah. number two guy. Every year past, he's the number one or two guy. Now it's like he doesn't even have to have a good game. He can contribute in other ways. And when he's now your third guy, your third or fourth guy, it's like, holy shit, you know, and the yeah. pressure's not on him. They can kind of like live through some of his clunkers. So again, for me, with the Clippers, it's just all health-wise. And, I mean, so far, again, knock on wood, because I want to see them at full strength. No one wants to see these guys get injured right. in the biggest games. But if they go into the playoffs healthy, I think you've got to like their chances against just about anybody. Yeah, it, it's very – it's still a little bit weird just to see Harden being, like, actually, like, a good – playing like a good team role yeah. for, for someone. So, no. I wonder if – you know, it might have to be that. It, it is. This was kind of like a last stop type of thing for him. Like, if he – like – the eyes were so much on him when he got there that if he did just come <laughs> yeah. in and just be an ass and ruin it, like yeah. that, you're you're really talking about like, does he have a team like in next year yeah. or something? You're talking about like, is is anyone is him worth having, it? So right. him having to take he's like a certainly minimum. playing like a guy who wants to get at least one more big payday and kind of showing this other side. I and mean, I think due to the credit too, and not that not that he had like an overly great game either, but to Russell Westbrook too, kind of taking yeah. on that role with that team. Oh, they have two guys who <laughs> who their who career wise would have every right to kind of be resistant of that role. Um, but they they've kind of embraced it, and again, yeah. the team the Ty Lue's good good coach too. He's yeah. got them playing really well. So now, gotta credit know. Harden though. I mean, this is about as well. Like I think even the biggest Harden fan or the biggest optimist probably couldn't have thought it would go this well in L.A. with these four guys out there. Yeah, like these fit like a glove oh. playing <laughs> yeah, arguably the best like basketball of his career. Obviously, not the stat wise and gaudy and this and that, but in terms of just like fitting in and contributing to winning as a team player, like. You kind of got to love to see it. You got to you got to tip your cap and respect it because, like you said before this year, there was probably a lot of people doubting he could like ever change and ever do this. And I mean, we I feel like we accounts, definitely did on the podcast. He's there was been that an awesome guy teammate. from uh, whatever the guy from the Bally Sports or whatever that just like oh, eviscerated God. him too. Yeah, like, there was like, oh, no, I mean, he's uh, <laughs> like I said, credit to him for having the self awareness to. Yeah, at least so far, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the playoffs are always like the lingering thing, but at this point, it seems like. The only knock on the Clippers is just, like, falling back on old narratives. Well, yeah. And like you said, it really just comes down to health. If they're all healthy, then yeah. that team is daily. I would probably take that team out of the West if, that, if they're healthy. Yeah, based on again, what we I just think saw. it's probably them or the Nuggets. Um, yeah. So, speaking, I guess, of the Western Conference. So, this is uh, this is now four. We have four, lo four losses against the, pretty much, I'd say, the four top four teams in the Western Conference. So the Timberwolves, the Clippers. Uh, the Thunder and the Nuggets. So obviously the Timberwolves and Clippers. We also have a win against each of them. You only play each other twice, so it's we're one. We finished season one one with those guys. We'll see the other two later on in the season. But is there any is there any like level of concern about just playing some of these top Western Conference teams? We've done pretty well against uh, the Eastern Conference, which obviously that's who you got to face to even get 
to that to that final point of the season. Um, do you have any like concern, or is there anything to make of the fact that we've just been kind of played like this against Western Conference teams? It's weird. I think it's weird. Uh, I mean, kind of weird, honestly. Like, I don't really take a ton away from it. I mean, at the end of the day, the reality is, at most, you'll play one of these teams, and if yeah. you do, it'll be the NBA Finals. And I mean, a series is just a whole different thing. Like these big. Interconference matchups during the regular season, I think, are like fun and make for good like hype events. But in the in the grand scheme of things, like I don't think they matter a ton. Because, um, like I said, if if it comes down to it, it's going to be a series, and like that's just going to look completely different than these like random one offs in the middle of the season. Um, yeah. And you mentioned neither. I think we were obviously missing KP tonight. I think we we're missing Derek White in the loss at Minnesota. Um, you know, so it's just like weird things. Shit happens. Thunder was what, like the last game of a huge road trip. Um, so again, it's all just kind of circumstantial. They're all big games, and I think a lot of them, you could argue, like meant more to the other team than it did to us. Like I think every one of those teams, like, really got up for that game. Uh, you could tell his one mental off of the Clippers tonight. Yeah, but I feel Paul like George taking a charge. Like, when the hell does he do that? <laughs> um, so so it's to, like to the to your point on that though, like Joe was like what Joe said the other day, where it's like you know we don't we shouldn't feel like we're the hunted or we're the we should feel like the hunters basically like so i, I don't know i kind of i want to push back on that like you know these teams are getting up for these games against us well why aren't we getting up against them i mean like you just said the clippers could be the team that we might be playing in the finals like they i'd say they're just as you know not vegas wise or anything <laughs> but like looking like title or bust too so like i get like i get when I like a, when like a shitty like team beats us or whatever like if a, if a shitty team beats us like oh, okay they got up they want to try to beat that but when we're playing a team that's Playing for the same thing as us, you shouldn't be able to. We shouldn't be able to say like, "Well, they're obviously gonna get up for it." It's the Celtics. Well, fuck, we, <laughs> we should get up for it. It's the Clippers. I don't know how crazy that sounds. We should get up yeah. for that game. Well, again, I don't think that it was like an effort and energy issue at all. I think the shots just weren't falling, and we didn't. Have right, but I mean, players, any like, of the other games. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think again, Minnesota and OKC are kind of like up and coming teams who obviously had something to prove in at home with us coming in. Like that makes sense to me. The Nuggets game, I think we were up for that was like a championship yeah. atmosphere. We lost yeah, the buzzer. Yeah, um. So, I mean, again, it's like, like I said, I think it's a interesting, like, talking point for discourse, but at the end of the day, like, I don't think it means much. I think these regular season game t- games against, like, Philly and Milwaukee mean a lot more, even though the last Milwaukee game was kind of a joke. But in general, like, I take away much more about those games. I don't, like, you know, you lose a random game in the middle of a road trip to OKC in a tight game at the, in their place. Like, it just is what it is. Um, and, I mean, again, they're four really, really good teams. They all beat us. Some of them we beat when we played them. Like, we'll see if any of them sweep us. Maybe it'll end up mean something. I mean, again, if we make the finals and we're playing Denver and they're 2-0 and against us in the regular season, like, it means a little, but does it, like, really mean anything going into a series? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe not. But... I, I don't think, like, there's anything really to draw from it other than, you know, those are four really good teams who all, on at one in one game, played really well against us. <laughs> Ever the optimist. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think it's optimism. Well, I think it'd be the same thing if we beat all them. If we swept all the Western Conference teams, it's like I would feel like I would feel of, I would feel great about that. I'd think that that's well, awesome. At the end of the day, even if we make the finals, we're only going to play one of them. And if we sweep the Nuggets, same thing but opposite. If we swept the Nuggets this year, make the finals, and we're playing the Nuggets, are you going to be like, oh, pff, we beat them both times this year? Like this is yeah, probably. I'd feel a lot better about it than if we uh, than the other way passed. around. We lost the two point game to Denver, like at home. We I don't know. I I just don't think like that's really going to matter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's again, it's like, it, it, it might not actually physically matter, like on the court, like with the ball goes up with the play, but I think like how I'd feel about going into the game. Like, yeah, if we, 
if we lose both games to the Nuggets and like say we lose on the game on the road to the Nuggets by like 15, 20 points, like I'm gonna feel a little bit different about playing them in the finals than if we <laughs> had won both games or if we're one and one or like if we, you know, I don't know. Definitely, how could you not feel a little bit differently about it if you if you beat them or lose to them both games? One and one, that's fine. I'll take I the split. Know. The split won't change anything. I feel so. If we end up splitting, which we've done with the, the two the two of those four teams we played twice, we've split. Then it's but fine. I don't know. Like if we <laughs> if we get like whooped uh, by OKC again, and I don't know if we'll see. I don't know if their team will get to the finals anyway. I know Scal says they don't have the height for it, um, <laughs> but he loves saying that. Anytime anyone asks him about OKC, it's what he says. It's fair. Uh, but yeah, like if we were zero and two against them in the season, and they kind of embarrasses both teams. I mean, I'd still. Like be, obviously pick us to win it or First whatever, of all, but I no, feel different. No team's going to embarrass us in both games because the two we split against already, and the other two didn't embarrass us when they beat, they barely beat us. The other yeah. two came down to the end. So all right, well they embarrassed so us no in one that. big game. Not who know. who did? Well, oh. no, if they do, <laughs> if, like if yeah. we lose by like thirty uh, to the Thunder, or, like to the Nuggets, how could you not feel a little bit differently if we play them in the finals? But again. To your point, though, it is a good point that we it's it is going to be one of those four teams. It's not like we have to go through a gauntlet. And like if we were playing like that against Eastern Conference teams, that's a lot harder to, to deal with. I think but, it'd be much more concerning if we had like a bugaboo in the East and it was like, oh, we're like zero and four against the Bucks. Like then yeah. I'd be like, shit, well, yeah. we don't play the Bucks. Whereas now it's like, I don't know. After tonight, it's like I already knew the Clippers were good. We beat them in LA by forty. They beat us in Boston by forty. Well, we're missing a key 20. guy in each game. Like, what by 20? We cut, yeah. We cut it to 19. We cut it to 19. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. No, I, <laughs> big, I don't think there's big any... Big for anyone who jumped on Celtics plus 25. <laughs> <laughs> I think they I mean... did show it on the screen at one point. It was plus 22 and a half, and Scal was like, wow, you don't see that, Mario. <laughs> yeah, wow. Hopefully someone should have jumped on that. Um, did. <laughs> yeah, if you did, shout out you. Um, just using that moment, too. Chuddy Bar Parlay I did not hit. Did not hit. Not not even close tonight. <laughs> Hate to see it. Yeah, this was a one a bit of a cold streak on the Chetty Bar parlay. But <laughs> we've been down before, and we come back. We always work our way back. Um, yeah. So that's it. Do you have any other like kind of final points, kind of final notes on the uh, this game at all? I mean, like I said, it's really like a <laughs> just bury the tape kind of thing. But I don't know if you have anything to add. I have yeah. just one or two small things. Nothing really. I mean, if we shoot thirty six percent from the field and seventeen percent or whatever from three, we're probably not going to win. For almost. I don't think any we games. shot too many. This was another one where the too many three crews came out. We only shot forty three pointers no. this game, so I don't think that it was. We shot just as poorly from everywhere on the court. The three, if anything, I thought the threes we were generating were some of the best looks we were getting. Like Al and Derek, yeah. especially had a bunch of open kickouts. They just were not falling. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I do okay. think anytime, especially I think on weekend games too, we get a lot of people who don't normally watch are watching, and mm. you just hear a lot of that kind of like. uh discourse on it but yeah i thought they finished like 43 so i don't think it was a shooting too many three things it was just missing no. too many shots overall um i thought that uh pritchard that i i i love Pritch i love peyton pritchard so much like he's <laughs> he's approaching like might like might be worth getting the jersey guy even though i, I don't wow. feel like he's a celtics for life but and it just extended him yeah i i know but i feel like eventually he's gonna want something but, and if he is fine but i just think he's such a dog <laughs> he's such a grinder out there yeah he is um there was, a, there was at least one play where he absolutely locked up Harden too. Like it was, like you tell Kawhi that they both, too. yeah, they both thought that they were kind of getting something. He played really yeah. well towards the end when he kind of gets those sort of like late minutes too. He's just <laughs> he's just always putting in so much effort. Um, again, it's why we don't use the term G time anymore. Um, 
we don't use that anymore. And I think it's because no. he's does he, he Those doesn't are real reps. at all. Like they're down, <laughs> they can be down five, they can be down fifty, and he's just out there motoring every time he's out there. So shout out Pritchard, shout yeah. out Cornette. Cornette too. I thought Cornette had a great game. He, he um, was solid. He left injury is not serious. Some some tightness on calf or yeah. thigh or it was one of the other. It was one of those leg muscles. Um, so a little bit of much. tightness there. Hopefully that's all right. But he he, he was playing well. He's he just make a lot of uh, motor plays too. Like he'll. He'll block a guy, and then he's the first one down the floor, too. It's just super impressive stuff. Um, yep. Anytime I see plays like that, I'm always wondering what – I'm always, I'm always picturing Tommy Heinsohn's voice in my head uh, <laughs> reacting to a play like that. Um, yeah. So shout out to those two. I thought those two, um, despite all the uh, neg- negative outcomes of this game, those two were definitely some pretty good uh, shining lights in that one. Yeah. I'll also say on that uh, extent, too, like I see people – I mean, I, I think it always mostly stems from people looking at the box score, seeing we're missing threes, and then immediately just, like, blaming Joe for everything. Yeah. But I thought, you know, for a game when nothing really was going right, I thought Missoula coached fine. I thought he call, tried to call a bunch of good timeouts at, like, the right time to try to kill runs, and it just – none of them really got us going. I thought, like, his rotations were good. I liked that he brought uh, Brissett in in the first half for some energy, and Brissett brought it. He had, like, uh, immediately, like, tipped a couple offensive rebounds to keep him alive. So, like, that was a smart move. Um I liked the way he was like using Cornet. He was trying again, trying different things. We went to that two one two zone to start the second quarter, and I thought that got us a ton of stops too. It was good to see with uh, Drew and Tatum both out there. So like, he was trying stuff. We were trying stuff. The defense was trying stuff, and again, it just wasn't working. And um, again, where I go back to like not being concerned, I think one of the things that was working early was attacking Harden um, and attacking Man, and kind of recognizing like we don't want to go with Kawhi, we don't really want to go with PG, uh, but there's like things we can exploit other where other places on the court. And again, I think that's, if this goes to a seven game series and we're, you know, game planning specifically for the Clippers, making specific adjustments, like it's just going to look totally different. So um, obviously we know they have really good defense, but I think like I'm pretty confident we'll find ways to counter that ways to get ourselves some better looks, um, you know, ways to make life a little bit easier on us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't really have an issue big time with Joe's coaching. I thought that he's played really well. And I think that he'll have a good Can't coach the ball to go in. Right, and he'll have, I think he'll have a good mindset too afterwards about just kind of like there's obviously a lot. His big thing is like learning from every game, so there's obviously probably still a lot to learn from this. But like wow. you said, the ball just wasn't yeah. going in. It just was bad. There were decent looks, but again, yeah. only 43, so the Washburns of the world can shut it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't consider this game a loss. I just consider it a massive, massive learning opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, so we'll uh, if that's all for the game, we can kick it over to – um around the nba what do you have for us uh going on around the league tonight um so around the nba let's start back with last night where for the second time in one week we have two separate players putting up 60 plus points um (laughs) absolutely absurd that this is happening um and to happen again it hadn't happened Ever. It only happened three times in the history of the NBA before this week. The last time was, as we mentioned, on the last day of the 1977-78 yeah. season when guys were basically chasing the scoring title. And now we see it two separate times in one week. So obviously on Monday it was uh, Embiid getting 70 in the win over the Spurs. Carl Anthony Towns going for 62 in the embarrassing loss at home to the Hornets. This time on Friday night it was Luka Doncic putting up an absurd 73 points um, in a win at home over the Hawks, a hard-fought win. Um, and doing it as about as efficiently as possible. I think he had only 33 shots. So 73 points on 33 shots is just absolutely outrageous. His uh, true yeah, shooting percentage. 30 against us on the same number of shots. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
goes to show what what matchups can do. But um, yeah, he was true shooting percentage was ninety point five true shooting, which is just absolutely preposterous. I think it was the highest in a single game in NBA history. So he was being special. And honestly, down the stretch of that game, they were like the Hawks were kind of staying in the game by just basically letting Luca beat them and nobody else down the stretch. I don't know if they just decided they'd rather like not get embarrassed by the scoring output than win the game because they just started basically throwing doubles at Luca uh, way outside. And Luca did not chase points. He kept making the right play and got a ton of good passes down the stretch and was setting up teammates to get the win. So, uh, I don't know. Weird, weird kind of strategy by Atlanta that they'd rather <laughs> lose than get punked for like 85 points because Luca actually deferred a lot down the uh, stretch of that game. He could have forced a lot more shots but kept kicking out for wide open looks. So, that was about as impressive of a uh, single game as you'll see. And then at the same time, we had Devin Booker going for 62 points. Uh, also obviously impressive for the Suns, but it came in a losing effort. Uh, they blew a lead and the Indiana Pacers made an awesome comeback uh, with Devin Booker coming up short on a buzzer beating attempt. And it was Aaron Neesmith, our old friend, played absolutely amazing defense down the stretch. He was everywhere, causing all kinds of chaos. He blocked yeah, a shot, uh, last... transition three from behind. He took a charge and then he was all over Booker on that uh, buzzer beating attempt. Yeah. So he played great, hats off. And uh, just super, super poetic to see the the super best millennial friends, Booker and Cat, both going for 62 in the same week and both losing those games uh, on final shots. It's just like, yeah. couldn't couldn't imagine happening to more fitting people. And now that's pretty incredible. Booker's second time scoring 60 or more points and losing in both occasions is uh, fitting. So, so fitting. Crazy night, crazy stuff uh, going on all over the yeah. league. So Did you see Did you see the video in the, uh, of the... That like it's obviously just one play, but of Luca's like layup against the Hawks, that like yeah. video that was going like that was I mean, that's just that's just not great defense. I mean that was that borderline <laughs> illegal screen, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't think I've heard, I don't think I've seen anyone have that take. That's awesome. I mean, Capella got kind of shoved from behind a little bit, but either way, yeah, the Hawks are not uh, they're not one of the better <laughs> defensive teams in the NBA. That's, that's awesome. for sure. Borderline defensive screen. <laughs> um, yeah, illegal screen or whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think uh, I don't really know what to make of all the scoring because I just think it's like I do feel like with the way the NBA is now, a lot of guys could do that, wouldn't it? But obviously, it's like a fit. And it, again, with, with the way these four games have gone, it's almost like a 50 50 coin toss if it's going to actually help or hurt your team for one guy to be like that much of the focal point. Right. You have two of those guys losing, two of the guys' teams losing, two of them winning. So it's kind of. Like, I don't know. I think there's there's probably some a lot more players that could do could do something close to that. I'm not saying I'm not saying like just grab the ball, they'll go do it easily. But um, right. you know, so it's kind of like uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's more of a thing on de- statement on defense or or just the fact that more team basketball and teams aren't trying so hard to just have one guy just play that <laughs> much and score that much. It's right. cool though. Do you think there'll be anyone else? Is there if you had to pick like. Let's say you had to pick two other players since it's been groups of two. What other? What, who are two other players this season? You think you can see putting up like a sixty point? And which one would it, which one would do it in a loss? Which oh. one would do it in a win? Oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> let's see. On the spot, I think Giannis could definitely go for seventy on a night where his free throws are falling, and he's the guy I think who would like want to try to go for it. So. um Let's say Giannis in a win and in a loss. Oof, that's a tough one. Maybe, maybe Steph. 
just because he kind of has to. So I think in a game where he has it all going against a good team and keeps letting it fly, but the rest of his team is just doing absolutely nothing. Not really a knock on staff, more just uh, on the rest of his supporting cast this season. But um, no, if this happens again this year, that would be absolutely shocking. <laughs> but you said that last, said you that said that Monday, last week. So, too. yeah, no, it's uh it's exactly true. So, yeah. Yeah. I like we'll the honest one. The name that came to mind for the loss was like Wembenyama or something like that. Do you think you'd ever get that much usage though? It's <laughs> like Hopwood. Um I mean, it's hard to hard to imagine with him only getting 30 minutes in some of these yeah. games like I, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at Steph Curry right now against the Lakers. He's got 19 points um 7-11 on th- or not seven eleven shooting and they're losing so he could keep going. He what quarter? Through. It's not gonna happen. The second half just started so. Oh, but uphill battle. Yeah, uphill <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else? Uh, what else you got for around the league? Um, I mean, tonight was supposed to be the marquee event of rivalry week. The two former MVPs with their budding little rivalry with Embiid and Jokic. <laughs> Um, in Denver, and about less than an, under a half hour before tip off, we get word that Embiid is a late scratch with like a sore knee that the training staff didn't like how he looked in warm ups. Um, so Embiid sets yet another game against Jokic in Denver. He hasn't played in Denver since 2019. Embiid hasn't <laughs> when um, he had Simmons and Al Horford were two of his teammates in that game to give you an idea of just how long ago that was. Pretty absurd. Um, this has to just hurt, like, in terms of all the stuff the NBA tried to stop, I feel like this is exactly what they've tried to stop. For the Sixers, they had a game Monday, they had a game Thursday, and then tonight. So, like, no excuse with back-to-backs or bad scheduling. They knew this one was coming. It's in, on ABC, national TV, uh, the first, you know, Saturday with no football. Like, this is supposed to be clearly their, like, marquee primetime network television event between the two MVPs and... uh and B just bails on it at the last minute. So all the stuff that I feel like he tries to push back against, uh, this is going to be a tough narrative for him to run away from, that he wasn't ducking uh, Jokic in Denver. They all say that he doesn't play against good teams on the road. And, I mean, this is this is bad. And I'm sure uh, Monday night in Portland he'll come out and probably look completely fine and score, like, 60 points. Yeah. So just, just hate to That's see it. That's crazy like, that I don't it's know 2019 since he's played there. Yeah. I mean, I know it's only once a year, but still, it's just like – Bizarre. And yeah. again, Maxi, Harris, Melton, those guys were all already out for other reasons and Bede was supposed to play. And even like the NBA had a tweet like 40 minutes before tip off that was like, join us for like rivalry week. And it was like a video, <laughs> like a slow motion video of Embiid like warming up on the court. And they like <laughs> deleted the video like 10 minutes later after it was rolled out. It's just like, Jesus Christ, like you hype this up. And then it's literally like almost the Philly G League squad. I mean, they Beverly and Morris starting with like. Do you think that that's probably why Embiid didn't want anything to do with it? I mean, that's what people are saying, but it's like, not a great look for him. Like, yeah, I don't know, crazy. And now, obviously, with that new rule too, sixty-five game minimum, he's the pretty big favorite to win MVP right I now. He's, he's already this is his eleventh missed game, so he can only miss six more the whole rest of the season. And but, uh, hold on, I gotta look that. It, I gotta pull up and see who's the second favorite to win MVP. I feel like you have to Jokic. Put- Probably Jokic, SGA. I'm sure this Luka outburst will get him in there, but... you got to put a unit on some of those second right, guys, just, right? Just a bet against Embiid making it to the 65 Six games? I mean, we're halfway through the season. There's no way. Yeah, a little more. I mean, I think he's played in now 33 out of 44 after tonight. So... Yeah. No chance. <laughs> Not on, a great pull... chance. But also, how funny would it be and how Embiid and how Philly would it be if, like... 
and B just goes like so balls to the wall and plays like 22 straight games or something to get exactly to like 65 yeah. wins MVP. And then like first round of playoffs, he just looks absolutely exhausted and they lose like yeah. four ones like the Knicks or something. Oh yeah, no, like, that that's actually be, that's actually more what I want to see happen than anything that'd else. That'd be incredible. I want I do want to see him do it in that in that fashion. But yeah, or it'd be also just I was thinking too when you were saying that it'd be super Philly for him to just have like this insane year, like <laughs> sixty four games. games and just just to see the Philly <laughs> yeah, people just absolutely lose their freaking minds. Um <laughs> he so he's plus one ninety, Yoga just plus two ten, so I feel like they've kind of factored in yeah, the probably. likelihood of it. Because I yeah. feel like if it if that didn't exist, he would be a It'd much be a bigger more, yeah. favorite. And it was until recently. So, yeah, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I wonder how much just this one thing alone swung it. Because that's a yeah. pretty bad look for Philly. Pretty bad look for Embiid. Pretty bad look for the NBA, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's a joke. He's a loser. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, so. Then um, I, I have nothing really look, to add for that game. I think we, we basically covered it. It can't believe it's been 2019. And yeah. apparently all the value in Joker for MVP is gone. So Yeah. And then I thought it was just kind of funny too, the um announcement announcement that Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, is getting a huge extension through the end of the decade. Basically a news dump in the middle of this game where Embiid's not playing. <laughs> it's like, uh <laughs> what? So yeah. again, I mean, I feel like the measures they've taken have worked for the most part. I feel like the stars are playing a lot more this year. Um but, I mean, I think, like, for the most part, Silver's done good. I think a lot of the stuff he's tried to do has worked. I like all – I like the play-in tournament. I like the in-season tournament. Um, I think, like, this is a good thing. And, like, I think today was exactly what the NBA is trying to cut out. So, hopefully, Philly will get fined. And, like, if Embiid does miss all this stuff at the end of the year for not playing enough games, then, like, good. It's well-deserved, I think. So, uh, you know, whatever. Like, I thought it was just funny to announce the extension. The timing was hilarious, <laughs> given yeah. what was happening – in the league and like the marquee matchup yeah but, uh, overall like not really like a surprise or anything there i guess yeah not a surprise um so end of the decade so it's another five years he's 61 years old right now he'll be 62 looks like he has an age today april yeah but it looks like he started way older than i thought like i just looked at his yeah, age because well, i was yeah. curious how old he was i would guess i would guess he's older than 61 um yeah that's fair but it'll be 62 by the end of this year so by the end of this decade he'll be 68 i guess that's still not too old to be running anything like that um, I don't think there's so. certainly older people in higher positions of power um <laughs> and i think very true i think I, I i don't dislike silver i do i think that david stern ran a little <laughs> bit of a tighter ship uh, i feel like for better uh, or worse <laughs> yeah i guess but i don't know i uh i think my one thing that i just would kind of like, like if if I was if we ever were so lucky to get Adam Silver on the podcast, obviously open invite Adam Silver. Everyone yeah, to come and touch his corner. Um, I just think like the expansion thing. I'm not as much as I think that there's other cities that I would love to see a team in those cities. Uh, specifically Seattle, I'd love for them to get a a, a, bit, a basketball team back there. Um, I don't know. I think that there's there's just like there's already like five, four or five teams that are just like almost just like just terrible to watch that are trotting out like G league rosters, like, because you know, some of it's injuries, some of it's just tanking and all this shit. So I don't know how adding like two more teams, 30 more players to the league kind of like fixes any of that. And in fact, I, I'm worried that it might, you might start to have like an even wider kind of gap between the best and the worst teams in the league. Um, NBA is obviously a little bit easier to kind of build yourself back to that middle level. Uh, but I don't know. 
I, I'm not like sold in the idea of ex- expansion. As cool as I would think Seattle and Vegas would be to have teams there. I don't know. I just don't, I'm not sold on that being like that exciting. Like if, what if, if those teams are just going to be like eight win teams or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's pretty clear right now. The NBA has far more talent than has ever been in the league. I think if you look at the rosters of like 500 teams right now and compare them to teams that like made conference finals in like the early 2000s, it's like pretty comparable. So I think part of it is there's just so much talent that now I think it stands out more with the teams, like you said, that are tanking or whatever, where before they could kind of like fall into wins. Now there's just like too many good teams. There's like 24 or 25 teams that are still like, pushing to make the playoffs and think they can and have at least good stuff on their rosters. I think part of it, again, by design, you see teams like obviously the wizards are trying to tank at this point. I think the Hornets are trying to tank the Spurs, you know, are rebuilding around Wemby. So like they've got promise. The Pistons have been obviously a bizarre team, but I mean, they've <laughs> still got like their young pieces are there and are good players. So I don't think like looking at the worst few teams in the league is reason to dismiss this. Again, I think with the expansion draft and the things that they're going to get, like there's no guarantee that they'll be bad teams. If anything, they'll probably take some of those good players and some of the good depth away from the best team. So it might even flatten out the talent a little more, create a little bit more parity. Like it's not like these teams are likely going to be picking players off of those bottom five teams that to add to yeah. their own rosters. Um, so for me, I think it's like, kind of a no-brainer. I actually think the whole league will make a lot more sense. I think you'll get 16 teams in each conference. You can move probably Memphis or Minnesota into the East or New Orleans where they belong. You'll get two more teams in the Western Conference, which is great for, uh, you know, the Night Owl chuddy heads like myself who have (laughs) two more teams who will now play in the Pacific time zone is absolutely excellent news uh, for people who hate sleeping. (laughs) And I think then it also will open the door to, like, I think – you know, this is a good way for silver to sell to the owners that there will still be the same amount of games to profit on while they can actually shorten the season a little bit. Like now they can cut it from 82 to maybe 72 and you can make it up because there's two more teams. So in total, like you have just as much product to sell to the fans, but you don't have to squeeze in 82 games. You can spread 10 more games out in the regular season, maybe start to get rid of some of these back-to-backs, um, make the regular season a little more meaningful in that. Do you think they, do you think that that's something that is on the table or is that just kind I of a so. To shorten the season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think take, trimming 10 games off it would make sense. I think it's hard to sell the owners on just not having as many games and all that and sell, like, your advertisers when they make the TV deal is like, oh, well, we thought there was going to be this many games. There's only this many now. Like, you're like, no, yeah. there's the same amount of games. And, if, and they'll hopefully be better quality games because people, you know, won't have to rest as much because we can take, you know, you have 10 fewer games now and maybe that gets rid of seven of your back-to-backs. Like, something like that, I think, would just be all around good for the league. Yeah. Um, I do. Yeah. That's one thing that I've always, I've kind of been harping on for a little while here is like the, um, the back to backs. My, my thought was just to like make the season start earlier and end a little bit later to kind of spread those out. But I didn't just because I, I get, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like that does make sense, but I feel like the owner's response to that would just be like, or we <laughs> could just also both. just have all those both. more extra games. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, so no yeah, we won't but... lose any money except for the imaginary money we could have been making if we didn't <laughs> yeah, do that. Right. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. How I'm sold on uh, a group of billionaires giving up <laughs> those games, but it's an interesting thought. I, I I never really thought of expansion sort of in that in that vein of like you could kind of make some even bigger tweaks. I was going to ask. So I'm glad you mentioned. I was going to ask if they ever did expand. It, it's likely to be to what it seems like Seattle and Vegas are kind of the shoe ins for where they would go. 
So yeah. I was wondering what, how they would balance things out. So you said either uh, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, or Grizzlies. Grizzlies, probably. I Memphis. guess I mean, Memphis. Yeah, is... Grizzlies. They're basically in the East. I mean, oh, that's... New Orleans. I don't know. I'd have to look at a map, but both of those are definitely much more in the East than in the West. Either either way, like that's uh, moving one of those teams into the East and making it like a like Memphis could easily be in the same division as like Miami, Orlando, and Atlanta. Like why you know. That makes more sense for them, probably geographically. But yeah, hold on, I got. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the interns' work for him here because I'm a little interested. <laughs> I, I almost feel like I knew the answer, but oh wow, they're they're like pretty much like right on each other, like right <laughs> on top of the same. So New Orleans is very far east in in Louisiana, and yeah. Memphis is Memphis very is far west, west in Tennessee. Because right. when we first said it, I was like, Memphis is obviously. Right further no. west but yeah i know well which one is close so new orleans probably makes more sense because they're probably closer to miami and orlando and the like the other teams in that division i don't know yeah no yeah they would Either be way, yeah, they're, though, they're pretty close to there and then one of those two. Minnesota could be in the division with like milwaukee chicago cleveland detroit yeah. maybe that would make more sense interesting Either way, I think either of those three teams moving east to play with those teams would probably make more sense anyway. So I think yeah. overall it, it might make more sense balance-wise. And like I said, two, having two more teams in the league who can host games that start at 10, 10.30 p.m. East Coast is... <laughs> You're really big on that. That's your probably biggest, the best that's your biggest sell. Yeah. If these were two Eastern Conference teams, you'd be all out on expansion. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. All right. No, that's, that's, a good, that's a good little interesting uh, little thought pro- thought. Uh, Experiment there, thought process. Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got anything else around the league? Or uh, the only the last up? thing we talked last show, obviously, about Adrian Griffin being fired. Uh, Doc Rivers, I don't know if he had been confirmed officially to take over last time we potted or if it was just like a rumor. Obviously, now that's official. Yeah, yeah. He has not coached his first game yet, which I think is funny. They still have Joe Prunty. They're playing a much, and they're playing their third game since the move right now with uh, Joe Prunty, interim coach, who Joe Prunty, I don't know if you've seen him before, but he is a absolute real life version of Waylon Smithers uh looks wise if you haven't seen him um but anyway I just think it's funny that like Doc's been again the shadow coach since the IST ended in what early December like he's at the games sitting in like a booth watching so it's like what are they waiting for is he like passive physical it's like get down there and start coaching like what the hell paying you a shitload of money yeah Um, I did see that picture of him and oh wow this guy does look like Smithers (laughs) yeah um, yeah. But then the other funny thing you're watching on the YouTube page, <laughs> you get to see what he yeah. looks like. Oh, it's it's young Smith. There's no doubt about it. But wow. um, the other, I don't know if you heard Doc's introductory press conference, but uh, they asked him like what this would be like, and his quote was like, "This is gonna be so hard. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, or like I wouldn't wish this on anyone." Oh, yeah. Something like that, which is just so funny to me because it's like, dude, you're a 20 year veteran NBA coach who's now being paid 40 million dollars to come coach. A team with Giannis and Dame, like, what do you mean? You would have wish this. On, I would wish it's this like on such a. Any. It's so funny too because you, you just took it for the myself. job. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you took the job. Like it, it was you, you were offered nope. it and you said hey, yes. You do this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like right. how many times? Imagine coach at the start of the year being like given that thing. I think it's like oh, I it's gonna fucking anyone. suck. Trust me. It's like, like dude, you no one wants to take over a team that's thirty-two and fourteen, second place in the Eastern Conference, one of the top like three to five best chances to win the finals you've got probably the second best player in the world another like veteran superstar yeah. it's just and you're in milwaukee too a market where it's like 
very little pressure compared Maybe to Maybe that's others. what he meant with this is going to be the heart. It's just living just in Milwaukee. Just living in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. And yeah. you're like, again, you're the guy taking over for the guy who everyone hated. So it's just like almost a zero pressure situation for a guy who already, like, legacy is basically is what it is at this point. Yeah. And just comes into a cushy situation and making just an absolutely outrageous amount of money. is like, oh, just like, poor, poor talk. I can't believe, like, he's being held hostage by the box and they're forcing him to do this It's going to be a thing. real challenge. Coach their basketball Real uphill like, just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> we mentioned that Doc entering, re-entering the league would be great for entertainment-wise, and it's already so already, far. Yeah, has not disappointed. Yeah, and I think he's going to make his debut. I think Monday, so I think next game supposedly he'll be coaching. I don't know what. Like I said, what protocols he has to clear, passes physical or whatever. But <laughs> that is so weird that he's watching. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um. All right. So that that about does it for around the league. Um, we have the Pelicans. So this game, we're on a seven-game homestand. Tonight was game one of the seven games. So our next one is the Pelicans on Monday. It's night one of a back-to-back with the Pacers the next night. But why don't you go yeah. ahead and give us a little bit of a preview of what we said? Zion's first time playing at the Garden with fans. I think he was there during the COVID year. That's that's it. That's the part of the broadcast today. Um, so okay. why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of a preview of this game? This should be a fun game. Uh, the Pelicans generally are a fun team. They're one of the deepest teams in the entire NBA. The supporting cast is awesome. Um, and if anything, it's kind of been the question has been the two stars and their fit together with Zion and Brandon in- uh, Brandon Ingram, sorry, who um, kind of their issue is they both don't really shoot threes, and it just makes for a very clunky offense. That's kind of been the thing with this team the whole year. They, they have a lot of good players, and a lot of them don't really space the floor. Things are super clunky. A lot of times, C.J. McCollum is their only uh, shooter out there. So this, to me, is one of the biggest like low-floor, high-ceiling teams in the NBA. There are certain nights I watch them. It's all clicking. Uh, it seems like they're playing the right guys. Guys are hitting outside shots. They'll hang 150 on a team, and you'll be like, holy shit, these guys can compete with anyone. There's other nights where I watch them and just seem super clunky. Uh, Zion and B.I. aren't beating guys off the dribble. There's no one in there to space the floor, and they're getting absolutely mollywopped. And it's like, man, this team just has a lot to learn. So, again, I think the talent is right there. And if they play their best, you'll walk away from it being like, wow, these guys are freaking good. But uh, they just have not been able to do it consistently. And I think, again, it's just figuring out, like, who are even our best players? What are our best lineups? It seems like they still don't really know. Again, it's like Zion and Ingram, just there's just kind of a lot of overlap in their skill set. They both kind of want to play out of the high post, play in that mid-range. Um, and I think they kind of make it, they almost like let defenses off the hook where they're not really taking advantage of a lot of their matchups. So that'll be interesting to see just kind of like how we defend those two guys and then what kind of players they put around them. Because again, if it's more of those like defensive guys like Herb Jones, Dyson Daniels, uh, they play Valanchunas a lot, like, those guys just can't really create any space for Zion and Ingram to take advantage of their skill set. But if they play guys like Trey Murphy, the rookie Jordan Hawkins, obviously McCollum, who can space the floor, I think these guys can look really good. So, again, it's like a, a total kind of Jekyll and Hyde situation. Like, what version of this team are we going to get? But um, even with all those struggles, I think they're like 25 and 18 or something. They've been hanging around 5-6 spot in the West. So, they're a really good team. And if we catch the best version of them, they'll be really hard to beat. But um, if they don't show up, I think we could be running them out of the gym as is happening right now. They're losing to the box by about like 35 points or something like that in Milwaukee. So, so uh, we're getting them on night two of back-to-back also, the first two of our No, they're playing team. tonight. Oh, yeah, it's Monday. Jesus Christ. Hello. <laughs> Today is Same Saturday. Uh, I said at the beginning of the show, just to remind right anyone. <laughs> okay. They're makes playing sense. tonight, and they are down. I'm so, one, so used yeah, to us playing back-to-back. So. Um, they're down right. by 29. To yeah. the Bucks, but again, if they bounce back and 
beat us by 30, I think like it wouldn't be shocking. They're they're that good that when they play their best, if they, they beat us by like 30, one of the best teams in the league. I'd be furious. Not, like the best team in the league. So I'm not saying I'm expecting that. I don't know. I'm just saying it is. Know. It's within their range of outcomes. Like they're that good that if it did happen, okay. I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. But I'm not expecting it. I'm just saying, again, when they play their best, they truly look like one of the best teams in the league. They just don't do it all that All right, long. I get what you're saying. All the pieces are there. I get what you're just saying. Just they can't consistently channel it. Yeah, should be a fun game and a very busy Monday night at the Gloss Slipper in Boston with uh, those with those two in town. <laughs> not, not not at Shuddy's Corner Watch Party, I'm saying, for the, uh, for the Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson uh, duo coming in and rolling into town. Um <laughs> I can bet you there's about a 90% chance that that song that's been Googled on one of their phones by the end of tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Seems so, safe, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that about wraps it up. We're about a little before 1030 here. We're going to wrap it up. Celtics lose 115 to 96 to the Clippers. Um, ugly, ugly game. Burn the tape. Bury the film. Don't ever watch it again. Pretend like it never happened, and we'll get ready for Monday. Uh, we'll see you guys all back there. Make sure you're checking out Chuddy'sCorner.com. Leave some voicemails for us. We want to get a couple of those uh, to kind of do like a mailbag segment. So we're excited to have the opportunity to kind of hear from you guys. Um, so go ahead and make sure you're checking out the website. Uh, check out our YouTube page. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And we look forward to seeing you guys on Monday. Chuddy, have a good night. Peace out, Chuddy Eds.